Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the Drunk Book Club. Some involve wine, and some involve us. A lot of salt, usually. My name is Vry, and with me, as always, is Dorothy. If you're bringing salt in, we should really be drinking margaritas. You made me drink a mint julep, and it was a bad time. Yes, we're drinking mint juleps this time, listeners, in honor of this irregularly scheduled uh, book club's choice. My Sweet Audrina, V.C. Andrews' only one-shot novel. Kind of. I mean, V.C. Andrews wrote a sequel-prequel to it, like, last year. She writes from Beyond the Grave. No, she doesn't. This is V.C. Andrews' only one-shot novel. Our listeners' time, when we could be complaining about this book. That's true, it's not... Um... What adjectives exactly would a person use to describe this book? Besides gothic? Southern? B.C. Andrews-esque? She's kind of her own genre. I mean, it's certainly not a Niederman book. <clears throat> no. He did get paid for that. Does, darling. Does get paid for that. It says something that we went to a used bookstore and we found... Th- no. Probably at least six stacks of V.C. Andrews novels, and one of them was actually written by V.C. Andrews. To be fair, I'd already cleaned them out of all their copies of My Sweet Audrina. All two? All two. Which which we have. One of which I mailed to you, and then you lost. I found it again, not before I bought another with a vastly inferior cover, but I did find it. He tried to lose it. <laughs> tried real hard. But it has the pretty step back cover, which is, is like the only reason people pick up V.C. Andrews novels. It's true. God, I remember those from when I was a kid. Step back covers, listeners, in case you're small children, are those incredible covers that uh, have a picture on the front with a cutout that flips open like a pop-up book. To reveal another image behind it that peeks out through the hole. Usually with incredibly alarmed-looking white women. Or children, in this case. Is she? Well, this setback opens onto her in the, uh, in the rocking chair. Yeah, but she's- With Damien behind her. Yeah, but she's nine with air quotes. Like, with so many fucking air quotes. Yeah, but even nine with air quotes is still very clearly prepubescent. I'm actually still not sure I understand the timeline in this book, if we're being entirely honest. What is time? Time is apparently a gaslighting illusion. Wait, gaslighting was before this book, wasn't it, Dan? Yeah, gaslighting was, I think, 1929, 1925, in the 20s. Really? Yeah, yeah, gaslight? Yeah, that was a play. Are you fucking with me right now? Yes, I'm gaslighting you. (laughs) No, Gaslight was was a really famous play, and I've always wanted to read it, but I've never gotten a hold of a copy. Nor of uh, the two film versions. That's basically what this book is about, though, is gaslighting. You may have... You didn't, but let's come along with me on this fiction. Perhaps you saw the Lifetime movie from a few years ago that also had briefly the poor misbegotten young woman from The Flowers in the Attic movie we covered. Oh, I spilled my booze. Oh. <laughs> oh, this is an inauspicious start. Anyway, it wasn't a very good movie. And Did you it- watch it? No, but I'm making a safe bet. 
<laughs> I'm just asking whether this is speaking from a place of authority or Don't, assumption. Do you want me to make you watch the Lifetime Audrina movie? Was the book not enough for you? I'm just shaming you publicly. <laughs> and I can tell you that it doesn't include the part where they fuck on her grave. I bet it does, but they don't get buck naked in a thunderstorm while doing it. Well, then it doesn't count, does it? I bet it still happens, though. Which is not nearly as hardcore as Mary Shelley. Right on Mary Wollstonecraft's grave. Just right on your mother's grave. You know that if Mary Shelley could have fucked on her own grave, she would have done it. Mm -hmm. I'm stealing some of your wine now. Before I start the plot summary, that is my sweet Audrina. So there's this girl, right? Audrina. Yeah, that the one. The second and worst Audrina. Right. That, that's a fair assessment. Yeah, I mean, you know, you think that the start that it's this poor child being told to live up to impossible expectations, but then the ultimate twist of the novel is that it's right, and she is in fact the worst. You will discover this fairly early on, dear listener, should you for some reason decide to inflict this upon yourself. Audrina is the worst. She's terrible. No, that's not true. She's her, an awful little shit. Her dad is the worst. Consider. I mean, yes, but also because we are forced to listen to her natter on about how great she is. I, she's the worst fucking protagonist. The worst. Okay, I don't, I mean, at least she talks in something vaguely resembling dialogue from now uh, that, that act like something like a human shaped meat might say, unlike Kathy. No one has ever talked like the protagonists in Flowers of the Attic. Ever. I'm pretty sure that if I weren't so drunk, I could flip open my sweet Audrina to any given page and you'd see that you're wrong. I know you could, and that's what I'm banking on. I'm taking advantage of your drunken state, my darling. I am the worst. Oh, by the way, the reason that this is V.C. Andrews' first novel, but you've heard of Flowers in the Attic, is that this one got rejected and she, like, scavenged and cannibalized a bunch of it for Flowers in the Attic. And then after that one was a huge fucking success, this one got published later. Allegedly is the timeline. Kinda sorta. We'll never be sure. She's dead and was extremely reclusive. But anyway. And also lied constantly about her age, which is a theme we will come back to. It's true. Yeah, so this movie, nope. I just don't don't read books anymore. That's our normal podcast. Holy shit, this is like the last fiction book I've read in the last three months. I'm a bad person and this is what I'm doing with my life. Why is this? I've made bad decisions in my life. (laughs) Well, yes, but also you read this. (laughs) But Audrina, though. So she's terrible. Nine years old. She has prism-colored hair. Oh my god. And violet eyes. Because she's the specialist. And her older sister, who is also named Audrina, is dead. Like, better than Disco, super dead. You can't go by a day without remembering that she's very fucking we dead. We visit her grave every Sunday. That's not gonna scar a child for life or anything. Her older cousin, Vera, is a little shit, and I love her. Of course you do. She was born- Of with- course I do. Yeah, m- yes, just you. You can't see it, listeners, but she's giving me the dirtiest look you have ever seen. If I don't show up to the internet tomorrow, you'll know what happened, is all I'm saying. Yes, yes, me loving characters who are little redheaded shits. <laughs> That's not my wheelhouse at all. Vera being a redhead is incidental, and I always forget it, because the novel is busy focusing on the fact that she was born with glass bones and paper skin. Only when convenient. <laughs> 
That's true. The novel itself also forgets I mean, this fact. With, with the amount of beatings and sex she has, you'd think she'd break a lot more bones than than when the narrative finds it convenient. No, she listen. Vera is a how pragmatist. does she still have a pelvis? She got that motherfucker replaced with a steel pelvis. Vera is on top of shit. Okay, but what about that really disturbing scene where their dad spanks her? Oh, and we have an extended. Description of of the transparency of her panties as he does so. This isn't even. This is when her father is spanking her and she's like 13. This isn't the book with incest in it, and yet. It's horrifying. And we're meant to understand, by the way, that Vera is a total jealous bitch because because their mutual dad does not give her the time of day, but really, really likes Audrina. But, you know, Vera deserves that. Because she's a bitch and always was ever since she was an infant. Yep. From the cradle, you could tell, wow, this is just a downright unlikable woman. Who is going to be a slut. Yep. And then she is. And then coincidentally, she in fact is. So it's all right that we always treated her horribly. That's right. What is causality? I don't know. Half of my vocabulary is gone right now. And most of the book is this idea that not a lot of shit actually happens. It's just that Audrina has an older sister that she really resents for being dead and being the one that everybody loves. And her dad, who is the fucking worst, Damien, for fuck's sake. His name is Damien Adair. Was this before or after the omen? This is an important question. It, he's named fucking Damien. It, it, no, it's got to be after the omen because Flowers was, yeah. Wow. So I feel confident banking on saying it's after the omen. It is now. If we say it, that makes it true, right? I'm certain it has to be after the omen. Fittingly enough, he is in fact the worst. He, like, tells her to go into this rocking chair and rock there every day to recover- To get possessed by her older sister. And- and just- and To get her sister's special gift. You can't- there aren't- li- Her sister's special gift is in fact pivotal to the plot, if you know what I mean. Oh, that makes it sound- no, it- No, I'm- I'm right! I meant what I said- you said what you meant? Yeah. So she rocks, and she doesn't get shit, and she's not allowed to go to school. And then things happen in a vaguely their word fashion as she gets older and still can't go to school. And, and she has a weird, ribbledy-wobbledy sense of time because her b- brain is borked or some shit. Right. And Vera's a little shit and taunts her about this, and also uh, frequently shows up and talks about how great it is to go to school and act like a slut around boys. Because, you know, she's damaged goods. We never go into what damaged her. Nope. She's just lost cause. What do you do? I mean, it's probably because her mother left town and and didn't, and her father is an absentee. We'll just never know who that man is. And then they came back to be raised in the same house with Audrina. V.C. Andrews has no idea how to write anybody who's not a southern fucking redneck of privilege. It's incredible. I felt like a stranger in a strange land as a yank reading this book. I'm told there are things going on here that make sense that human beings have done, but I don't know that I believe it. She literally cannot conceive of writing a character who's not a redneck of privilege. I can say this because she insists on writing Damien Adair as a northerner because she wants to emphasize that he's a northern carpetbagger who came and despoiled the southern bells of this town and uh, and took over their their family plantation and, you know, is sucking it dry with his uh, his filthy Yankee financial maneuverings and unscrupulous dealings. 
but she actually can't even get into a mentality of somebody who doesn't worship the confederacy so she just throws it in there that he he totally um talks all the time about how he wishes he had been born southern that's i mean she's right all of us yanks just have big old boners for the south and secretly wish that we'd been on the right side of the war of northern aggression (laughs) and this isn't even fucking relevant to anything but she literally can't conceive of anybody not having a boner for the south rising again (laughs) it's important to have your boner rising i mean i'm just saying that this is placing your bets in the right camp look i'm from below the mason dixon line and like all right thinking people I do not want the South to rise again. It shouldn't have risen the first time. It was bad. Like, and, and that's where this move, this book fails in the Southern Gothic tradition, because proper Southern Gothic should focus on the fact that the South will not rise again. And in fact, the South shenanigans the first time are a, a wellspring of scarring shame for this portion of our nation. Look, this, this book is not Flannery O'Connor. Like, it can't hope to stand in the same room as Flannery O'Connor's beautiful, pretentious peacocks, whom I love so much. Or Faulkner's horrible, horrible family and town. Faulkner has a song though? Stop looking at me like that. I didn't have to read any Faulkner. You had to read A Rose for Emily. Everyone's read A Rose for Emily. And The Bear. No, sir. I did not have to read the one about the bear. You had to read the necrophilia story. Of course I read the necrophilia story. I'm a freak. Yeah, that that, that story is literally about all, the whole town being built around the idea of the southern pride of the Belle and protecting her from despoilage by the northern carpetbagger coming in to ruin our southern pride that, that we still cling to with her as a figurehead. And that's why we let that whole thing go down. It's just a it's just a very unique hobby that she has. Don't worry about. There's only the one guy. Don't worry. Who's gay? How did you not know that there was Southern Gothic? (laughs) (laughs) If you're waiting for us to get back to the plot, that's kind. We've kind of basically given you it. Audrina doesn't know how time works. The book wants us to know that her sister is a bitch. But there's a boy. That's true. She makes friends with the nice poor boy. Nice. Just that, imagine that, all of the that air Vera wants, That Vera wants to fuck at the age of all of 12. Oh, yes. Because that's Vera. Uh-huh. Just a slutty McSlutterson. It, time happens, and Audrina still doesn't know what's what, and, Ver- and Vera is a, is, is a slutty McSlutterson, and they get older, and nothing changes or resolves, and we just have scene after exploitative scene. But apropos of what's going on here, so the other inhabitants of the house at the start of the book are Audrina's mom... Lucietta, yes, that's that's an actual fucking name that was used in this book. Probably belonged to someone somewhere at some point, right? And her aunt. Yeah, I always thought of her as business suit. I'm not gonna lie, that's how I thought of her. Because V.C. Andrews learned how to do a contrast thing. No, no, she wears a slovenly house dress. Oh. Because she does all of the, you know, all of the hard housework, but cannot cook because she is not genteel. Right, she, she was gonna be one of them the hard-nosed career women. So, um, mother and aunt are sisters, to be clear. Right. Aunt is not related to Damien. We're gonna remember her name in, like, 20 minutes, and it's going to haunt us forever. And the house is the White Fern House. It, on mom and aunt's side. 
that's on the maternal side, and Damien swooped in and, you know, took possession of it. Because he's, he's, again, a northern dick, usurping all the treasures of the South, especially their women's. Yep. And they live 20 miles out of town, which is a plot point. 15. Excuse me. Does that include the mysterious spoopy forest? Yes, that's if you go through the spoopy forest. Okay, so it could have been 20 on the right road. It's probably not, but I'm trying to salvage a win because I have to be right about everything. Yes, and there is a forest which um, Audrina is never allowed to go into because uh, the first Audrina went into that forest on her ninth birthday, which was September 9th. Holy shit, V.C. Andrews did a thing with numbers. He sure did, and colors. (laughs) Purple. But yeah, the first Audrina went disobeyed and went into the woods on her birthday. And she died on, on a mound of dirt under a golden rain tree when she was attacked. And it had something to do with her, her silk panties and um, and silk dress and uh, her petticoats with the Irish lace and shamrocks. And she died, gosh darn it. She, she died. died. She's super dead. And she's over there in the cemetery and we go to her grave every week. If you haven't already guessed the twist, then shame on you. Shame. But again, um, you know, Audrina has to try and recapture the first Audrina's gift. But gosh darn it, when she sits in that rocking chair and rocks, all she ever gets are horrible rape flashbacks. What? No, there are no repressed memories in her head. Because why would you have repressed well, memories from, from a different somebody else's yeah, experience? That would be dumb. That's not how human brains work. No, no, that that's magical psychic powers. Which right. totally exist in this book. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Remember. Yeah. Like, to be fair, magical psychic powers do exist in this book. This this book has crushed something in me. Something fragile and precious, and I don't know that I'll ever get it back. But Mom and Aunt are both super dissatisfied with their lives, because obviously. Because they married the worst man. Yeah. Mom was going to be a super talented concert pianist, but then didn't. She got married to a northerner. And he downtrod her and crushed her pride. I know that it's, like, got the southern pride angle, which V.C. Andrews was probably doing, but it fucking pisses me off that there's a better book in here about women whose lives have been singularly destroyed by this self-serving, shitty, toxic, masculine influence in all of their lives, like, through all the generations. Like, every single one of these women is ruined in various and myriad spectrum of ways by this one guy and yeah, his and, shitty and ego. Like, and, like, you can totally get invested in that that being a plot thread and get excited for it to happen, and then you'll be disappointed. Yes, I want to crush their dreams like mine were crushed. You'll be disappointed, y'all. It's, just, it's, so, it's so potentially interesting, and it hurts me. Because that, that thread ain't going nowhere. No. Every time there's, like, a shred of a potential for bonds between women, platonic bonds, of course, because V.C. Andrews doesn't understand what lesbians are. Also, these women are all, you know, related. You said that that stopped her. I know, that wouldn't stop V.C., but I'm pointing out that in a good and decent world that's not, you know, 15 miles out of town in the South, (laughs) I'm from Maryland. We, we, We make jokes about all of the surrounding states. And their various laws. <laughs> but every time you get a shred of, of, like, this bond between women, it turns out that it's all a ruse, and the other woman is a dirty, rotten bitch. Who, who is there only 
to cause pain to the good and pure woman for no good reason. Just because she's a jealous cheating whore. Such travails are heaped upon sweet little Audrina. I fucking hate Audrina is the thing. (laughs) She hates her so much, you guys. She's a little (laughs) shit. She is awful. She is a smug little asshole. No, but explain to them this, because, like, I think you got to explain how tone and, uh, and, and narrators work. So Audrina's our narrator. She's the one telling us all of these events and describing everything. So she's in control. So when she says a thing, and, and it's definitely her speaking, it's not just a book centered on this character, it's a first-person narration. Mm-hmm. Because V.C. Andrews don't know how to write besides that. She started out in confession stories and she goes stick with it. I never thought it would happen to me. No, literally, that's it. Please continue. The thing is that Audrina has the most obnoxious tone of full modest smugness every time she interacts with Vera. Every time something goes shitty for Vera, Audrina's so pleased by it. Anytime something goes right for Vera... Audrina goes out of her way to mention how Vera doesn't deserve it. How it's clearly because Vera swindled her way into getting something. Anytime Vera's nice, Audrina makes sure to slide in a dig about how clearly it's a sham. When Vera is upset and hurt and cries, Audrina discusses how obviously it's fake and manipulative. It's it's worth mentioning that... Vera is a little shit. But oh, she's yeah. our kind of little shit. Okay, but Vera is not older than Audrina. No, she is also a child. And the entire book, even if it's framed through Audrina's perspective, which is this idea of, you know, the very typical, unreliable narrator who sees things and reports them without understanding what they are, there's still an implication of, um, of purity and honesty that... Andrews, the writer, is trying to push through this narrator. Because Andrews focuses all of the narrative unreliability on Audrina's fucked up perceptions of time and space, not on Audrina's flawed understanding of other individuals. Right. Not her her moral compass is pure. She sees shit. That's what's important. But like is that Audrina is a better person than everybody else. As much as as much as Vera is a little shit. <laughs> the fucking yeah this book is one sh- is, is, she is she's the fucking unicorn from gravity falls that's what she is but as much as vera is a little shit this book is also like a roadmap to how she became so fucked up but it doesn't acknowledge that no of course like not. like it's vaguely aware that it's trying to say a thing about having bad parents means you're gonna be a little shit but it still centers that squarely on the idea that being born out of wedlock is contamination. She's just bad. She's just a bad person. It's just a bad job of it. You might as well write that one off. By the way, she's also she she and Audrina are secretly sisters, not cousins. You're not going to read this, so spoilers. It's not as though it's exactly covered at any point. Literally the only person who didn't know was Audrina. And so Vera's whole thing is like her dad refuses to acknowledge to her her entire life that she's his daughter. While living in the same house with her and violently abusing her. Won't let her call him dad. Papa. 
Yes, excuse me. I I forgot that there were grosser implications at work. A lot of smacking her around, a lot of emotional abuse. A lot of hiking up her skirt and spanking her in front of everybody. When she's a pubescent teenager. And then when she becomes sexually precocious and tries to get pregnant as a means to get out of town, he writes her off as a dirty lying hoe bag and is ready to kick her out of the house. It's fine, though. She has a violent miscarriage and throws blood clots at her at her mouth. I just can't get over how very evocative that scene is. She is the most extra character ever, and it's kind of great. She's, yeah. Vera's pretty fucking great, actually. And again, this is the character with, with glass bones and paper skin. <laughs> Every night, the sound of her heart attack puts her to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> but she is somehow out having sex with the entire town. Yeah, she's having violent sex with the adult man. With a nine-inch dick. Uh-huh. And she's All fine. nine inches. She emphasized that she measured it <laughs> the first time she had sex. Which, just imagine this. <laughs> just imagine this 14-year-old girl. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't actually imagine that. Don't. But seriously, this 14-year-old girl, the first time she bangs her sister's piano teacher, whips out a ruler. Listen, if, you, if you're going to pretend I'm my sister, who you have a Madonna complex about, I'm gonna need to have something to take back. <laughs> and Audrina's desire to fuck the piano teacher is off the fucking scales. My god. Audrina does not want the sex. She is the most ace, and this makes her pure. But the thing is... She's only ace in that she doesn't want to fuck her her boyfriend and later husband, Arden. For good fucking reason. Arden doesn't deserve to be fucked by anybody. She's not even ace, she's just, like, deeply fucking repressed. Is is she repressed? I think she's repulsed. It's impossible to to sort out ace discourse on this shit because V.C. Anders did it so bad. Well, I mean, functionally. Okay, fine. I mean, we're not looking at root causes here. We're looking at functionally. Right. This is not a character. This is a character who's sex repulsed. Yes. Intensely. Except that she really wants to fuck her piano teacher, though. Like, that's the only section in this book where sexual desire is described, and she can't stop picturing this dude naked. This hairy, hairy dude. It's really gnarly, though. (laughs) The do not want is off the charts. She wanted... Just... Just a hairy dick monster. Why this? And I mean, meanwhile, her boyfriend is also the worst. The literal worst. And I'm pretty sure he actually helped rape her. Ugh. I'm pretty sure he was part of that gang, right? What? Because she dismissed it as, like, a misplaced hallucination. But no, I'm pretty sure he participated. Not mm-hmm. watched in horror and ran away. No, no. He was just a bystander who did nothing and has spent the rest of his life not doing the right thing and telling her about it, but just deciding to nobly protect her. But really wanting another crack at that pussy. <laughs> but and besides we there, know there's that really gross scene when they're when she's like sixteen and and she emphasizes that they're they're like lying together on the grass and he looks at her face and then he looks at her tits and then he looks lower. And like okay, what the fuck position? He and like, he looked at the he... beautiful stitching on her dress. Like, 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 how is he looking there? Physically, how? Um, and, and and it makes her feel, you know, horribly uncomfortable, as it would. Being ogled, people don't like it. But he is—he is the fucking worst. And every time she like has a flickering of sexual desire, for not him. even not even desire, but just acquiescence. Like when she 
lets him kiss her and grab her boob, he immediately reverses and is like, oh, gee, I, I, I was hoping you wouldn't be slutty. I, I was hoping you'd be special, not like the, all those whores I bang at college. Because, yes, he totally admits he does that. He had sex with Vera, though, when she was, like, 13. Spoilers. All men in V.C. Andrews books are terrible rapists. And all women who are not the protagonist are evil sluts who only exist to try and tear down the protagonist. Now, now they might also be frigid matriarchs or sad, ruined women. There is a whole spectrum of women you could be in a V.C. Andrews novel. But you still all exist only to tear down the protagonist. The, the pure specialty special protagonist. With her violet eyes and prism-colored hair. Holy shit. I once knew a girl, a, a, a friend of mine, in fact, who had strapity hair, but prism hair, that's some horse shit. It's got all the colors of hair in it. V.C. <laughs> Andrews missed the opportunity to make a Sonic OC, but she was trying. <laughs> she was anticipating it. <laughs> hey, you know what we haven't mentioned? Audrina. No, no, I, I don't want to talk about Audrina's little sister. We have to, though. No, we no, do. it's a bad, let's just forget that whole plot. No, we have to tell them the thing. We have to tell them that real psychic powers exist. <laughs> no, 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 is that what that, I don't think that's what that's doing. No, Audrina can literally speak psychically to her sister. Okay, yeah. She can psychically command her sister to do things. And you know why she needs to co psychically command her little sister to do things? Because she's in a coma. Let's just skip to, to where she's in a coma. <laughs> I refuse to let she, you get out of this horrible subplot. That's the most active she is in the whole plot. Yeah, yeah, no. VC is more active when in a coma. VC Andrews is so bad at writing this book. That the only way she can think of to to let Audrina in on all of the things and like the fact that Vera, um, Vera and what's his fuck Arden, her husband, have been having an affair, because again this goes even over though it is openly established that they're having an affair like three chapters earlier, right? Than that. Because again, Audrina's sex repulsed and Vera's a giant slutty McSlutterson, right? The only way she can think to do this once Audrina is an adult is to put her in a coma and have her just eavesdrop on all the other characters in the house who come in and conveniently have all of their fights at her bedside. While plotting to kill her. Mm-hmm. While plotting to shut off her feeding tube. Because she fell down the stairs, but needs dialysis? Right, right. The okay, a lot of people fall down the stairs in these books. Holy book. fuck, these are some cursed stairs. No, they're not cursed by anything but Damien. <laughs> Uh, th this book wants you to believe that Vera is the one, uh, Vera, or the sister, Sylvia. Sylvia. S the unfortunate Sylvia. Sylvia's unfortunate in terms of, this oh, is an unfortunate Anders, no. inclusion. Audrina's mom, who is who the book thinks about being sympathetic of for a second, which is how you know she's a fucking goner, she dies a baby. But in the grand tradition of gothic. Yep. But- Damien's an asshole who beat the shit out of her while she was beat pregnant. Beat the shit out of and raped. Yeah, also that. That definitely happened at mm -hmm. Audrina's birthday party. Or no, not the birthday party. The, the... Yeah, no, it was the birthday party. What Was it or was it just and party because Damien's a shithole? It was and party that was also the, the new Audrina's ninth birthday party. Because Damien wanted to have a party and fuck all y'all. Right. Seriously, he's the worst. In a better book, he'd be actually kind of a fucking decent villain. 
But he's not the villain in this. No. No, he's not. Even though this is not us speculating. He literally beat and raped his, like, seven months pregnant wife. Because she- After forcing her to throw a massive party and, and get drunk. Be- because she went to play the piano and was looking at other men. You whore. By sitting next to them while playing the piano. Mm-hmm. Why, he could see your nipples, Lucietta. So, of course, after being beaten and raped, she goes- Well, of course, I say. I'm- after that happens, she goes into early labor, has the kid, dies. So she has a de- developmentally disabled child who doesn't come Allegedly. home for years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Allegedly developmentally disabled. Like, oh, holy shit. Holy shit. This, this, A, this book throws around the R word like nobody's business. And B, it kind of wants to imply that this developmentally disabled child who may or may not be psychic, v- psychic and VC Andrews desperately misunderstanding like very severe autism it the book also wants to imply that maybe she's faking it just to hold audrina down it does possibly this is because she was schooled to do this because of damien none of this bears fruit or goes anywhere nope but it's trying to say all of these things at once like it's like 45 pounds of crap in a four pound bag Uh uh-huh and there's also audrina's husband arden her his mom is she she was a famous ice skater. Yeah, figure skater. Olympic figure skater. Yuri on ice joke goes here. God damn it! Why would you take that from me? <laughs> I'm sorry. Why would you take that from me? I'm sorry. I've done it terribly. Make your joke, I'll cut it out. <laughs> anyway. So she's an she's an Olympic level figure skater. And she had abortions. That's mentioned. She at some point had abortions before God told her to have Arden. This was a bad decision on God's part. (laughs) (laughs) You know, sometimes God just calls them bad. (laughs) And in this case, it was Arden. But because she was a whore who had abortions. She presumably had a diet not unlike Yuri's. She had the diabetes. (laughs) And she did not call Liberty Medical. So she got gangrene on her foot and somehow lost both of her legs. Both of them. Even though she like had a cut on one leg, she lost both her legs. Because she was such a whore. And and then her husband, her third husband, because again, she is such a whore. Up and left her. On account of, you know, you got no legs. Yeah, this mo- this this book's relationship to disability. It, it's frustrating because V.C. Andrews was herself disabled in a yeah in a wheelchair and like unable yeah, to she, she was a wheelchair user um her spine was fused basically into a single rod so she had very little mobility mm-hmm. she had to write standing up at, at a standing desk because that was the only position she could operate a typewriter from she lived with her mother who was her caretaker all her life and apparently the worst she, she dedicated flowers in the attic to that woman <laughs> And she didn't read it. Yeah, and then her mother didn't read it, which I'm not sure who won that one-upmanship battle, but it's impressive. <laughs> it's impressively Southern. And and I mean, I know it's poor form to speculate about the dead, but there there is a certain... Speculate away. The Hamilton fan gets away with it. <laughs> I mean... We've been watching Versailles. Holy God, that show is garbage. It's hot, steaming garbage. Why aren't we talking about that? <laughs> At least it has quality gaze in it. <laughs> but there, it almost feels like in Audrina, which again was a f- and first novel, It there, there feels almost like this certain level of 
abjection to the to the portrayals of disability. Like, oh, oh, right, a, a distinct and deliberate othering of right. of persons with disability, and an emphasis on on the idea of grotesquerie in them. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I might have, you know, I might have some spinal troubles because of an accident, but I'm not like these freaks. Like, there, there's this very disturbing undercurrent of that in the book. And again, this is all from the perspective of Audrina, who is not disabled, except in that she's a fucking asshole. Anytime she is vaguely not an asshole to somebody who has a disability, it's framed as her being this perfect angel. Uh, who is so much more sensitive. <laughs> oh my god, that's really strong. Oh, sorry. This is what happens when you sip from my drinks. <laughs> I can see colors! <laughs> yes, I would hope so. <laughs> I can yeah, hear but words. can you. But like, like prisms? <laughs> like somebody sh- sparkling a prism in your eyes? You keep trying to get away from the Sylvia subplot, and yet you bring up those damn crystals. Oh, well, it's kind of important. Mm. But yeah, it, it's frustrating because. Anytime Audrina is not, is vaguely not an asshole overtly while still secretly in the back of her mind thinking about how gross a disabled person is, the thrust of the narrative is trying to tell us that this is her being a better person mm-hmm. than literally everybody else on this, this sinful earth. Like a noble and ascended being as opposed to just like a decent fucking human for not being assholes. To somebody and, with and, a disability. And to be clear, she's usually an asshole to these people with disabilities. It's true. She's usually being an asshole when she's thinking about what not an asshole she is. Billy, um, the the woman who was a figure skater, is is another character who's who's kind of alright for a like a hot second and, and a mother then figure. Demon dick gets to her. Yep. Yep. And then of course, in order to further the narrative that's all about how Audrina suffers nobly then, you know, she's just all of a sudden doesn't communicate at all anymore ever with her daughter and is trying to be nice to that whore Vera. How dare she? And then she gets pushed down the stairs and she dies. Like Vera's mom Mm -hmm. did already. Who also died. I liked her! Yeah, no, I liked liked Aunt What's-Her-Fuck. Whose name we can't remember, but we liked her a lot. Aunt House Dress was the best, (laughs) was the second best character. (laughs) She was the morally best character. She's like, like this woman who comes back to the house because cause she's a single mother in the 70s and she's not going to get, like, she, she's not able to make it on her own. And also she legitimately thought that showing up at the house and, and showing her boyfriend the kid they had together would, would mean they would get together. Oh, no. No, no, he'd already married her sister, who was younger and sexier, but with f- bigger boobs. But fat. Seriously, this book hates everyone. Who the, is- the fat shaming is really weird because Andrews hates fat people so much that she can't actually bring herself Just to write fat. No, she can't even bring herself to actually write characters that are fat. She can't even describe people being fat, but all she can do is constantly point out how much they eat. Audrina's mom ate a lot of chocolates and, and laid around a lot because she had a heart problem. And Vera eats way more than Audrina. Mm-hmm. Even though Vera's fucking skinny as shit. Mm-hmm. Well, but you know, she um she has a limp that she just used. Literally, she let her leg heal wonky so she would have a slight limp so she could attract sympathy. The logic about disability in this book, you guys, I actually can't Because with she's a lazy shit who didn't do everything she could. To, to change herself from her disabled state. 
Mm-hmm. Like she she made a decision that she would prefer not to have all of her bones rebroken and be in traction for a year and a half. Like this is how it's framed. As she's a lazy shithead for opting not to undergo that when she could just literally wear a shoe with a one inch platform. That's how she gets by as an adult is the horrible accommodation of a one inch platform shoe. Which when when Adriana notices it is like and she's not even dis and, and she doesn't even look disabled anymore. She has a platform in her show. It's proof of how evil she is. Also she stands with a a very masculine plant foot planted stance and doesn't shift all <laughs> over the place. And I'm like VC Andrews is trying to put this forth as um, yet more evidence of how aberrant Vera the adult is. And I'm just thinking, you know, if you have a fucked up leg, it's easier to get yourself into one position and stay there. It's true. When you're back, you know. I mean, you're on your feet an awful lot. Yeah, and I have a fucked up ankle. One of my ankles is basically destroyed. And if you get into a stable position it's easier to maintain that position than to constantly move all over the place in place. No, but you're failing to understand the part where she's just a lazy, manipulative asshole. Clearly. Thank you. I'm glad that you're with us now. My failing. I'm not Audrina. I don't know as much. I'm sure that our lady of multicolored hair will forgive you. Audrina, who somehow knows more about everything than anyone, despite not knowing a fucking thing. So Sylvia, though. Oh my god. This is like Rose. This is like Rose, where there's this whole subplot about a daughter that we don't want to talk about. No, this is worse than Rose. At least Rose was not, like, hugely insulting to an entire group of people. Many groups of people. Boy, Sylvia is insulting to everyone. Everyone. Everyone who's ever looked at this book should feel insulted. (laughs) Yeah, like, in addition to, to implying that she's faking being disabled. She's she's uh she's mute and apparently has motor control issues, gross motor control issues and this is the stupidest fucking thing but the blindness. Right, she's she's no, she's so not they blind. Claim that, they claim <laughs> that we're told that she's not blind. She simply can't control the muscles in her eyes to focus on things, which is literally functionally blindness. No, but okay. But they said it different, though, so it's not. I know that you can't understand how you're wrong here, but I need you to trust in the infinite wisdom that is V.C. Andrews. <laughs> and also, she probably pushed Vera's mom down the stairs. And unless... probably pushed Billy, Billy down the stairs. Uh-huh, and definitely tripped Vera down the stairs. Because this is a small Yandere child. Except she doesn't deserve that. She does not deserve. I, I mean, she she's not fucking Rhoda. I feel it. I can't. I can't. I have nothing to say about Sylvia except, my God, this is the worst from conception to execution. <laughs> Let's talk about the terrible. I mean, we know how she was conceived. Oh, what in hell? In hell. Out of alcohol, we can't. We can't talk about that anymore. We're not out of alcohol. I have plenty of alcohol. We're just mm. out of your wuss alcohol. Ooh, you're out of Moscato. <laughs> what do? <laughs> I don't know. Would you like to talk about the terribly executed rape plot? Which one? Dealer's choice. So, Audrina's wedding night. <laughs> oh my god. Ha, ha, ha. You thought. You thought. No, but obviously the entire plot of this novel centers around the fact that Audrina was randomly gang raped at nine. We can't. We can't do this to them. 
We cannot play along with the facade. It, it's very stupid, and if you're stupid enough to have fallen for it while reading. No, even people who initially bought into it figured it out by the halfway point of the book. And the book refuses to acknowledge us that we're that smart. Right, right. The book is convinced that we are far stupider. Which, like, as somebody who was neutral to mildly annoyed about Audrina, by the end of the book, the, the, the narrative's refusal to let go of this conceit did in fact make me loathe her on principle alone. Even if she hadn't been awful. Even, even if she hadn't been, like, neutral to awful. It, it's a it's a variety. Sometimes sometimes she's just dumb as opposed to being maliciously the worst. But um, yeah, she she was gang raped. It's uh, but it, not to death. And then the big reveal of the book is that it wasn't because for most of the book you begin to put together that her dad is the fucking worst and wanted to repress all of her memories while making her rock in this chair to make her regain this this perfect awe. childlike sexless purity and and awe of him specifically right because she was hostile towards men after she was gang raped shine her squeaky clean then and start over again because he needs worship the book has briefly enough self-awareness for her to have her like narrative at one point that he had that that he makes her into his wife in everything but sex and the only reason it doesn't have that is because we're not at flowers in the attic yet so the fact that her dad is the worst is kind of the running assumption throughout the book. And then it gets to the reveal, and it somehow gets shittier. Because once Audrina recovers all her memories, it turns out that actually it was her mom who planted the idea who that she filled was... the idea, or her, filled her head with the concept of shame. And dirtiness, and, and scarred her... ruined her pride. Yep. And, and, scr- and like a dumb whore scrubbed off all of the evidence that they could have taken to the police. No, they couldn't. This was in, like, 1962. No, but it All was... you could have done was blood type then, and that wouldn't have told you much, given that there were three different semen samples plus a blood sample mixed in. Oh, by the way, these, these, the rapists never face any kind of, any kind of... Also, the rapists are literally boys from school with her, which V.C. Andrews had no sexual experience ever in her entire lifetime, and I'm pretty sure she doesn't know things. <laughs> because these are, like, literally boys who are on the same school bus with Audrina. Mm-hmm. And she's nine when it happens, which means she's, like, in fourth grade. And presumably the bus only carries kids up to fifth grade. It's a very So small she's gang raped by a group of Fifth graders. Pretty sure V.C. Andrews does not know anything about anatomy or puberty beyond what she herself physically experienced. I feel like I don't want the book to be any more accurate about this. No, but I'm just saying, Andrews has centered the pivotal event of the book on this happening between grade schoolers. Because she doesn't want to deal with this happening in the character's later teens because she wants to focus the emphasis on a purely childlike mentality right for the character which is because like even then you would you would but you could you could have older assailants but give me that i can drink adult alcohol make fun of me no (laughs) stop (laughs) murder oh god it's terrible help police (laughs) murder but no you could you could have older assailants or you could just cave in and have Audrina be fucking 13. But if you had older assailants, then we couldn't blame it all on Vera. Which is 
the dumbest animal, and I'm still not convinced by it at all. Yeah, so supposedly Vera somehow vaguely engineered the gang rape because she was jealous that, that Daddy liked Audrina more. I'm not convinced that er- that Vera could have engineered anything more than a, a, a vague attempt at an ass-kicking, right? If Vera did have the wherewithal to understand the concept of sex, the concept of gang rape, explain it to three to four fifth graders <laughs> and convince them to carry it out in execution and arrange for the victim to be present for it, I have a lot more questions about what exactly was done to Vera. Like, like nobody gives a shit about Vera. I have questions. This is bad. This the, is really bad. The book will never end This is a child them. who needs help. No, no one will help this child. No one helps this child. She's she a lost cause. She dies. But gosh, it's such a tragic accident. Audrina fucking pushed her. Oh, what? No. It Andrea was... pushed her with her psychic mind powers. Which she has. <laughs> oh, God, it's not good. And it kept threatening to be interesting and, and and torturing me. But yeah, so one of the people who was present during the gang rape turns out to be Audrina's husband, who she years later married and then found out all of this backstory between them, because she had no idea that they had known one another before. And he one did not of, tell her. One of her flashbacks involves him being the first person to penetrate her during the gang rape, but she dismisses it as clearly her brain is just mixing things up. Right, trauma hallucination thing. That's probably a thing, right? But it is 100% established that he was present during the gang rape and ran away like a pussy. As long as we were throwing out misogynistic I <laughs> just <laughs> This I know this book doesn't deserve shit. The look I'm receiving right now, listeners. Can, are you seriously attempting to shame me? No. Or you will. I don't think you need any more. Oh. I'm in trouble. At least let me drown it in alcohol. Yep. Arden's a shitlord. And then they have sex on her grave. Oh, not until after he rapes her on their wedding night. That's true. Well, that when was... they elope with Sylvia in tow. Right, and just lock Sylvia in the adjoining suite. That's safe. That's fine. That's fine. She she can't she can't focus her eyes or feed herself, and sh- and she isn't capable of going to the bathroom on her own. But just leave her in there. It's fine. And then Audrina literally puts off the sex on their wedding night after they get married by a justice of the peace because she she decides we have to, we has to do this right away because. Um, because my aunt just died, and it's literally the only opportunity I have to get away from my dad. But, so, she marries Arden. They go to this hotel. She spends hours attending to her grooming in the bathroom. Until he declares he's going to break down the bathroom door. I'm sure that would go over well with the hotel staff. And then he attempts to, but she opens the door at the last possible second, and he bangs through and bounces off the wall because he was literally attempting to bang down the bathroom door in order to rape her because he knew she did not want to have sex. So, like, you know that scene in The Handmaiden where the guy is like, I heard women like it better if they're forced, and she's like, fuck you? Yeah, she doesn't go all fuck you. No, no, this, this book, this book just goes through with that. Well, no, that doesn't go through with her liking it. No, that's true. He's just convinced that she did. Because she starts crying. 
and it's dark, and he mistakes this for passion. Well, it, it, it kind of establishes in the next scene that she knows that he knows he's deliberately deluding himself and putting in place this sort of verbal contract between them that they agree that that's what happened. That's fucked up. Yeah. Oh, and and then they go back and move back into her her dad's house. Yeah, and you know after all, so of- the only reason she fucked this man in the first place, moot. They move back in, and he's under her dad's thumb because he ends up working at his company. And there's a whole fucking thing, and I don't care because I hate Arden because it's so sad that he had to give up his dreams of being an architect. I don't care to it's support worse. her, even though her dad is the richest man in town. On account of shady stock dealings. Oh, she she psychically picks stocks using a um, a pendulum. Because VC Andrews had a stock ticker in her house. That's um That's literally why. Yeah, it's it was a hobby. It's it's a whole thing. Yeah, VC Andrews has this weird thing about women not having career goals. Like what like the the protagonists in her books have things that they do. Like Audrina picks up the piano for a hot second because of her dead mom, and she's, like, apparently super good at stocks, but it never goes anywhere. They're just, like, cute, attractive hobbies, like putting on bows before you pick your husband. But but they do financially benefit the husband in every case. Yeah. Because the husbands are always fucking useless. It's weird. It's like, it is good and proper that you don't have a career, but also you are the only one actually providing stability to to the family finances. Truly, you are, are a majestic shining star, but in an acceptably homebound way. I guess, unlike Kathy, she never um, had an abortion bleed out down her leg, you know, while attempting her career. That's not how anything works! I, applying auteur theory to V.C. Andrews could well make my head explode. <laughs> I can't. So, so where were we? The ending of the book, I wish I, I, I wish that I like, is I wish that it were on a better book. Uh, I hate that ending. I don't like it at all. Uh, so like, so she figures out she she recovers all her memories. Damien doesn't die. No, nobody God. murders Damien after he has clearly murdered every woman he's had in his life. No, but don't like sh- it's very obvious that Damien has killed all of these women. Don't you understand? It's. D- he was the only one who could be there for Audrina because she was suicidal after her after the rape and after her her terrible mother traumatized her so much. So it was the only thing that her dad could do to repress those memories or and he make could her have, safe. Or he could have like just backed off and given her space and stopped uh, making her feel threatened by having a very dominant male person all up in her space demanding that she give him her entire attention and devotion. Or taking him to a therapist. But that is not the point. That is not what the book wants us to believe. Therefore, it is not true. But the very last couple pages of the books are like, Audrina has figured out who she is, and Vera is dead, and- And, oh, they fucked on a grave. Oh, yeah, they, they definitely fucked on her grave, and she has she has passion and has an orgasm for the first time in her life, and there's a thunderstorm, and it's very symbolic in a very clumsy way. No, no, she had an orgasm one time before that, during the hate-fucking scene. There was- What?! During the first hate fucking scene, yeah, she had an orgasm then. Oh right, because they they fucked in her flower garden. Right, her mom's flower garden. It's very symbolic. This is a problem with VC Andrews in general: is that things need to be edited. The hate fucking scene in the flower garden should have been combined with 
Yeah. The fucking on a grave sequence. Because, mm-hmm. like, it, it's, it's redundant. Yeah, it's stupid, but it makes a certain amount of melodramatic sense that she gets all her memory back and relearns to experience sexual pleasure because what are the realities of slow recovery from trauma? Never mind. Healing dick. Right, right, the healing power of dick. How could I forget? And yet, in the very next chapter, she's decided that she's going to fucking leave Arden because he abandoned her and may have definitely super did participate in her rape. And Vera is dead and her dad is the worst. And she's going to make sure that her sister is taken care of, but go live her own life. And then, like, she... You know which person is qualified to make primary decisions about the direction of the future of this family? Go on. The developmentally disabled 12-year-old who poops herself. Yep. She's just staring through the window, forcing... Staying home. Just forcing Audrina to not drive her car away. Or Audrina could, like, pick her up and carry her away. Nope. Can't. She just has to come back and live in the house forever. And, like, in abstract, absent the context of all the other shit that is this book, I kind of like those two pages because this idea of a person who's going and going and going and then doesn't do a thing and is just willfully deceiving themselves into believing it into believing something that we know won't work recursively for generations is kind of a neat downer ending to me in theory. Unfortunately, it's attached to the rest of this book. You would have to go a long way to convince me that was a good ending. You would have to go a long, long way. It would have to be attached to a differently, an entirely different book is what you're saying. Yeah, but, but more than that is that this ending, the way the ending is worded specifically focuses on the idea that this is cyclical and that it's a repetition and that we keep doing this and that it's a choice and an agency on her part to keep resetting herself to there when the previous iteration of it was not. Mm-hmm. And it, it does not work thematically with the attempt that's being made with the language. Right. I, I feel that, that it's badly attempted. I mean, like, the, the, the book itself does try to do this whole, this running thing occasionally when it remembers to about her thinking, like, there's something wrong with this house, and it wants to be Shirley Jackson in The Haunting of Hill. What I want is I just want it to be The Haunting of Hill House again. But it's not. No. We already have that book, and it's great. Yeah. I've never read We Have Always Lived in the Castle. Neither have I, and I've been to since my but, high school crush told but, me it was great. But I feel like that's what this book is attempting to be from what I know about it. Mm. So what you're saying is that we should just be reading Shirley Jackson instead, and that's the lesson of this terrible book club? I I just found this book deeply upsetting to read on a lot of levels. Like, the rape shit, the, the childhood sexualization shit, the shaming shit, but also just I found it very frustrating how Vera's whole arc was handled because in many ways, Audrina's conduct towards Vera is incredibly believable in a way that the author didn't intend. Because frequently in families where one child is singled out for abuse, it makes good sense for the other kid to validate their parents' decisions to abuse that child, to buy into their parents' narrative about the other child, and to make sure to do everything they can not to be that kid and to expose that kid when they do things that they know the parents will disapprove of because as long as you aren't that, 
then you aren't at risk of that kind of abuse. I find this book frustrating because it does that so clearly and so well. And it's so clearly not trying to do that or say that. It so clearly actually believes that Vera deserves this treatment. It is a book that occasionally seems to come within striking distance of doing interesting things. I think I was I was more craving this idea of these these women who keep having near brushes with understanding one another before something terrible happens to them. Like like Audrina's mom tries to impart to her shit about being her own person like two seconds before she dies horribly and Audrina's aunt is like they almost have reconciliations and almost have understanding and almost undercome overcome this terrible man in her lives their lives like over and over and over again and I think that a novel about these southern women trapped by by this patriarchal system tragically failing to reach one another is a really interesting book and that's not what this book is Uh, I see where you're going but I would have lost patience with those coincidental almost brushes constantly being stopped by death after the second time it happened. Oh yeah, it would have to go somewhere else, but just like that setup is really interesting because to me. Because it was very frustrating that literally the only way she could think to avert things when she brought them to a lot to a vaguely logical point where people were in contact. Just fucking kill them. Because if it had- then you might have to do something. If you if you didn't kill that person off immediately, it might break the facade that Audrina has can't figure out what's going on with her repression for an entire novel. And again, I'm just super frustrated with the the whole shitty conceit that Southern women deserve better than this horrible Northern man. It's not a thing that's brought up repeatedly, but it certainly is baked into the backstory of the character. Like, and, and I mean, you specifically mentioned the idea of Southern women in this patriarchal system, but it's not a Southern patriarchal system. Mm-hmm. It's specifically Southern women being oppressed by the North, which is a different issue entirely. Yeah, it's fucked up. And because the, the patriarchy is alive and well throughout the U.S., but also there is a different strain of patriarchal behaviors in the South, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're specifically mm. talking about the idea of Northern aggression. And I don't buy into that. I don't care for it. I'm not interested in it. It's shitty. You make a strong point. What I want is an entirely different novel. Which is not this. No, it's not this. If you are listening to this, you might be a fan of our regular podcast, Trash and Treasures, which you can find on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Tumblr at trashandtreasurespod.tumblr.com and you can also find us at trash and or email us rather at trashandtreasures underscore pod at outlook.com by all means leave us a rating or review that really helps people to find us and we really appreciate it and we would love to hear from you yeah reviews comments questions recommendations we're thirsty for validation is what we're saying. All right, uh, we're gonna we're we're gonna turn off the microphones now. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm gonna pour Brian to bed. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> gonna drink so much water, and we'll see you soon, listeners. Thanks for listening. Take care. Love you. Bye. Bye.